This is the Listening Project podcast, sharing our stories to amplify our voices, a project of the RPA. We are Richmond organizers who have listened to residents who are the most harmed by some of the biggest polluters in our rich city. These are our stories. I would want Chevron to have reparations for the people who have endured this suffering. This is a this is a human rights violation that they've been performing for all the time that they've existed in this specific area, right? Mm-hmm. Human rights violation. Because basically, we need food, shelter, and air. That's our basic needs as a human being. And if any of those things are compromised, then our whole system is compromised. Yeah. Again, like putting the butterfly and closing the lid, knowing fully well that it needs air to breathe, what do you think is going to happen? It's going to suffer. It's not It's not going to die instantaneously. It's going to suffer. And that's pretty much what Chevron has been doing to the community of Richmond, violating us, violating our right for, for fresh air, to breathe freely as human beings without being compromised by all the poison they are letting out into the, the atmosphere that they know we have to breathe. That was crazy. How do we move past this? That was uh, one of our wonderful community members, Tracy, um, really framing uh, how our community experiences Chevron uh, right in our backyard. Um, how do we how do we move past this? How do we imagine a better future? Um, that's what this episode is about. Welcome everybody back to the Listening Project podcast. This is actually our final episode of the series. Uh, very exciting. Thank you all for following along all the way. Um, and thank you, Alfredo. This is Sol, la prima, la prophet. Don't call me Mary. I'm very, very excited to be here with y'all and excited to see how our guest speakers kind of imagine the city of Richmond moving towards a fossil free world right here. And uh, I'm going to introduce first Anu, a new youth organizer for the Listening Project, and Liz Beth. And please, Anu, introduce yourself. Hello, my name is Anu Luakwala Bode, but I go by Anu. I'm a youth organizer for the Listening Project. I usually work with youth alcohol and cannabis prevention programs, but over a year ago was when my understanding towards environmental and climate justice clicked after the explosion back in 2020. I worked as an intern for the RPA last August to September, which led me to having more understanding um, to what the Listening Project was or what they are doing. Hi everyone, my name is Lisbeth Ivara. Uh, My pronouns are she, hers. I'm 17 years old. I'm also one of the youth organizers with the Richmond Listening Project. Uh, And I'm also a part of Youth Versus Apocalypse, which is where my environmental justice and climate justice organizing began. Um, So I, you know, am very into climate justice and social justice, but I also organized with California Youth Versus Big Oil. And yeah, so I got involved with the listening project a few months ago, and I'm really excited to be here with you all. Thank you, thank you. And um, we're gonna get into some community voices. One thing that I really wanna mention what hit 
and just what's staying with me right now from just our first speaker, Tracy, who was just speaking truth to, to power around this metaphor of the butterfly. I love that she talked about a butterfly being caged in and it's slowly dying, slowly suffering. And that has been, I think, a lot of, and it's, it's imagery that a lot of our community members can feel what we're hearing from the listening project. Um, and what this episode I think is going to be about is shifting from that cage butterfly to freeing the butterfly through our imagination and imagining it. So very excited to first get into our first voice, uh, who's Il Isabella, um, works at Urban Tilt and is an indigenous uh, leader here, a climate activist. And then right after that, we're having Isabella's mother, Courtney, speak. And that's what I really want to share is that this is intergenerational. We have a, another leader, Courtney, speaking uh, and her daughter now working. That, feel that. We have generations of people living through this. Uh, and then after that, we're going to have Minerva um, share a little bit more. If we're, if we're trying to move away from fossil fuels and really have a fossil free future uh, where there is no extraction, there is no refining of this oil or even fracking of oil, you know, what, what outcome is that going to look like and how are we going to adjust ourselves? Because we've been dependent on this oil uh, for over a hundred years, like Chevron is actually old, older than the city of Richmond itself. And I believe it's, they've reached, I think like 105 years or 106 years old of being here. And the cleanup honestly is the scariest part for myself to think about because if they've been around for over a hundred years, just think about how long it's gonna take to clean up the whole land to clean up anything, any part of the pollution that they have been a prime source of. And I don't really have the answers on what that looks like, but I'm sure if we bring our minds together and you know incorporate like scientists and more, like we'll be able to find some sort of solution, but it shouldn't just be put onto us. It should also be a huge priority and huge responsibility for Chevron to do that uh, themselves and report back to uh, the community about it. Before we hop into Courtney, I, I, I want to kind of touch on this. I, I'm really liking this metaphor of the butterfly. I wish we would have brought this on earlier um, because like, like, like thinking about it, like not only are, are we, you know, caged in by like this pollution from Chevron, but like, we are a community of butterflies that have lived in this cage forever, which is why it's so difficult for our communities to imagine being out of this cage, um, out of, you know, without having Chevron in the community, without, you know, having to worry about flaring and stuff like that. Um, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful, I'm hopeful that we can imagine, but I, I will continue with Courtney. I think actually, um, I'm glad that you paused because Isabella, obviously touching on so many different things, but what you just mentioned is this imagination piece. And Isabella said, we don't know all of the solutions. Mm -hmm. We can't imagine them sometimes yet. 
because we don't know. And I think what she's really saying is that, yes, everybody in our community, like you're saying, every butterfly is ready to be free. Every, every community member is getting in on what would it mean and we need to continue to engage every single person while understanding we may not know, which is what's the best part of why we have an imagination. By putting policies and procedures in place to get the soil, the earth cleaned up, because a hundred years being on top of that land, you cannot tell me that nothing has seeped into the soil, you know, into the water system, into irrigation, and, they, they, they need to be responsible for cleaning that up. You know, we need, uh, we need to be responsible as a city, our dignitaries and put stuff in place so that when that time does come, it can't come back on us. Oh, well, no, we, you know, we didn't make anything in place. And then they'll be like, well, we're out of here. There is the aspect of like, is, the, is Chevron also going to like, actually clean up after themselves? And if not, like, how much time will that, like, how much time and money will that end up costing the city? And then that also brings the question, like, if it's too much money and time, is the city actually going to say, oh, it's worth, it's worth it for the community, like, let's clean this up, you know? But that's actually, like, like, what is it, how is it actually going to help the community? Like, it should be something that is going to and not something that's going to benefit gentrifiers, you know? I think a, a big thing that like we try to keep in mind with this um, and, the, and that I, you know, keep repeating to the people that I talk to is that like, I, and I, I really think, and, and I think the community agrees that it really, the, a lot of the responsibility really lies on Chevron and on all of the yes. other polluting corporations to clean up the mess as part of this transition. It, the, the burden cannot lie alone on the community as it has been lying forever. You know, like we see this, yes. you know, where the we hear this worry about Chevron not cleaning up the land after, after they leave, after they transition to whatever it is that they do. Um, but like we see it with uh, in the AstraZeneca site where that's a really big thing uh, where they're trying to build housing there, but the land is so polluted that it's so. Point Molate. They just had a special meeting in city council yesterday for Point Molate Tambien. This is natural indigenous land and we are losing it here in Richmond. And so I just wanted to bring that in. And I want to bring in this land aspect because we have so many wonderful gems here and we have Wildcat Canyon, we, we have Miller Knox, we have the shoreline, we have Point Molate, um, just incredible areas. And I want people to imagine if you're not in, inside of Richmond, because all of us Richmond folks know this and see it all the time because we drive by it, but what Chevron, the amount of land, it, it covers 70% of the city's industrial and commercial land, 70%. Only 30% are other smaller, like businesses and, and mm -hmm. air stores, etc. And so it's just how does that affect us? And it's affected us really negatively. We see it in property values surrounding the areas. Um, there was a six to 8% effect 
I mean, it's a substantial difference because we know about environmental racism. We've talked about it. We know that black and brown communities are the ones living in this area. We're the ones with decreased property values. And that is a problem because what I wanna actually go back to is yes, we need a Chevron. Isabella mentioned it, Minerva mentioned it. They have to be held responsible. But then um, Courtney brought up dignitaries, our elected city officials. We need to continue to elect people that are thinking about a just transition, thinking about how we move towards a fossil free Richmond. And this is just going to be incredible, incredibly important because what Minerva then touched on was this really important part of saying, is the city going to just say, we're not worth it? We're just going to forget about it. Meh. It's easier to keep them here. We're getting their money. But we can't allow that to happen. Because just in our last episode, we named it, we deserve nothing left. Because we are worth it. Because Black and brown people are worth it. Yeah, um, I definitely want to just emphasize what you were all saying. Um, and going back to what Isabella was talking about, um, the cleanup, which... I think for me as a young person, it's scary to think about how, you know, we were, we came into this world not having any kind of say, just like, you know, Chevron's here, we're dealing with the consequences. It feels like I have my entire life, especially as a, a brown person in this community who has been on the front lines. And it's scary to think about, but when thinking of a just transition, I feel like, um, you know, just transition isn't something that everyone knows about. And obviously we don't have all the answers, which is something I think is really important that Isabella was saying. Like, we don't know how it's all gonna happen. Um, and especially young people, like we don't know yet, but together that's what we're gonna figure out. And I think that just something that to really emphasize um, when talking about a just transition to people who have never heard of it, is that a just transition means that it's just and cleanup is a yes. huge part of that. So you can't forget that, you know, it's not like Chevron isn't going to be here one day and then they're going to be gone the next day. The transition has to be just for everyone in the community. It has to be just for young people who are trying to look forward to a future that Chevron has been taking away from us for a long time. So I just really wanted to emphasize and echo what Isabella was saying because I think that was really important. Mm -hmm. exactly exactly yeah yeah snaps 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 all over for that um i i like i, I think that's kind of what excites me also is, is that point that you said that like as young people we we have we I, I feel like we have more of this capacity to imagine a world because we haven't lived you know 60 80 years um in 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 this you know in this world i've only been in, in on this planet for 20 um so we we have this capacity to imagine and like as as you know we start to come into these positions of of you know like uh uh elected office um We'll, we'll be in this position to really like make these decisions about land use policies like Alfredo for mayor Alfredo for mayor I'm sorry handing yes. out pins just to, to yes. manifest it um <laughs> yeah. but yeah no so like we, we we're in this capacity to like actually make the decisions about how we're going to use our land so that 70 percent of our industrial land is not occupied by a single massive corporation um and like talking about about cleanup like it's important for us to really know like what 
what is in our land. And, and I think the community really like and uh, in, in through our surveying really showed a lot of their uh, uh, concerns. You want to talk us through uh, a little bit of yes. the survey results? Yes, I love sharing our survey results. So we have now surveyed 273 people in English and uh, almost 50 people in Spanish. And so from those results, we asked a question and this question was, uh, it was a statement. It said pollution from the Chevron refinery affects the environment in these ways and check all that apply. So boy, did we hear from our community. 80.6% said that Chevron refinery affects land and soil. Another 78.8% said that, said that Chevron affects our water. And then another 91.6% said that Chevron affects our air. And then 76.2% understood that Chevron affects and is damaging our ecosystems. And I just, like, when we talk about everybody, and I like Lizbeth saying everybody, right? Like, it has to be fair for everybody. Our community, which is now that we've surveyed is over 300 people. We've talked to and text banked thousands of people. They are saying the same things over and over again. Chevron is harming us and we have to do something. This is the moment to do something. And that is what we are excited to bring into this episode because we asked this question to a survey question and an interview question to many people around what would happen if Chevron were to leave. And so what we're gonna do is listen to Tracy again, thinking about uh, what she would like to see uh, when Chevron leaves, as well as somebody new, TJ, an incredible local artist, also works at the Rise Youth Center, shout out to TJ, and then Roshi, who you've also heard, who has a great idea. So, please. the schools of Richmond. Richmond had uh, these schools, Kennedy High, Richmond High, all the other primary school, the stage and stuff, and make sure that they have, they are using resources to educate the community in health and wellness, create programs, so supplement people with, with food, access to the, the food, some of the places like the urban tilt, the, the um, gardens, help them so promote health and wellness the, the importance of eating healthy and so i would need them to really invest as much as they've taken away they need to put back even more so because they've taken a lot from the community of richmond so they need to put back more than they've taken if it was like in a perfect world if it was not in operation and then made efforts to support the community support the environment Etc. and use the resources that they have to funnel money into these low-income communities that has been, you know, poverty-stricken, uh, crime rate high, asthma rate high. Um, we'll really, we'll, we'll need some resources put into natural um, healing medicines for our communities. Um, and restoration of our soil and our water.
I just want to spread the word that we need another organization like um, Global Community Monitor. Uh, that particular organization came to an end. Really? Uh, yeah, it has not survived. We need another one just like it. It was an amazing organization. Its um, sole purpose was to factually take samples, prove scientifically the actual damage that um, fossil fuel industry does to communities. It works globally, it works here, and it was really one of a kind. I haven't found an organization like that. And um, I think it's really important to, to start one. And, and I want to help as much as I can in any way I can to, to make that happen. I think it would be fabulous if it was Richmond-based because we've, we've had so much air pollution. Having like a monitoring system that can, can be here based in, in Richmond, it would, um, it would make Chevron, you know, think twice. This is, this is what we mean when, when we say that like our community understands what, what, what a just transition is, you know, like we hear, we hear Roshi talking about like, you know, creating systems to, to, you know, own our understanding of pollution. Um, we, we hear uh, TJ also talking about reinvestment, about uh, funneling, fun, funneling money uh, back into our low-income communities. And we hear Tracy talking about, you know, massive investments in education, um, reinvesting into our communities. That's, that's really what, in essence, what a just transition is about is, a, is about, um, you know, yeah, like we talked about in our last episode, what it looks like uh, about, you know, reinvesting in our communities in a way that is regenerative about, you know, removing um, our economic dependence on fossil fuel operations. Uh, uh, th this transition is, is one where our community isn't left behind, where it, and it's not just economic, but like systemic, rewriting these systems that allowed for, you know, a handful of corporations to make unimaginable and unimaginable amounts of money off of the land, off of our people. And so like, I wanna open this up to the youth uh, because we know we, we, we are the most imaginable. So I, I, wanna, I wanna pose a question, like how do y'all see the city in the future? You know, how do you see 23rd Street or, or McDonald's Avenue or the refinery, our homes, our city? Uh, go ahead, Anu. Um, my vision for Richmond after Chevron leaves is creating a sense, um, creating more youth centers for um, when it comes to resources for youths, um, like that can help them financially, mentally, um, just anything that'll be useful for them in general. And also more community gardens. I absolutely do not know how to garden and <laughs> to be able to go to a place where everyone is together, the communities um, are all together trying to like maybe teach each other how to garden or um, <clears throat> teach each other how to garden or like just gardening for themselves or just somewhere that seems more really exciting and really fun to be with. And like just being like, just in general, it seems like something I would want to see in Richmond and especially going in, into somewhere that is filled with excitement and like more learning, understanding, community coming together. It's definitely somewhere I would wanna be in and also learn the gardening, but yeah. Yeah, and when I think of 
a future, um, the kind of future I want to see. I know, like, the I feel like not everyone talks about how the climate crisis and environmental racism are fueled by the same systems that cause so much other suffering, like racism, sexism, you know, wage gaps, and so many other things. So I think when I imagine a future, I imagine a future where we dismantle all of those systems of oppression. Um, and by dismantling all of those, I, as a young person and other young people are able to live their childhoods without fearing of not having a future and are able to, you know, go play, go to their after school clubs and to their sports without worrying about like, you know, there's all this happening. There's so many different things happening and I have to be worried about all of these things while trying to also be a kid. So I imagine a future where I can actually be a kid and you know, I see greenery everywhere and I see, you know, transportation is easy and accessible um, and I can get to different places. And there's so many other community organizations like Urban Tilt and the Rice Center that exist. So places like that being accessible to all youth, not only here in Richmond, but everywhere um, is what I see for a future with a just transition. Yes, I, I, I love that. I like I, I saw like on Twitter the other day that someone was like, I, I hate that like, uh, like when sometimes I hate when people are like, oh, it's so inspirational to see all these young, you know, climate activists, because like young people should be allowed to just be young people, you know, like we, it, the, the burden shouldn't be falling on us to, to solve the world that's on fire. Uh, we, yes. we, I see a place where young people can just do that um, where we don't have to be, you know, angry young people growing up next to refineries. Um, and, and like, I, I also love that you touched on like, like the, the same systems that are fueling the climate crisis are the same systems that are fueling like economic inequality in Richmond. So like in the future, like I see also a world where like we, we, no one is hungry because there isn't, you know, a handful of, of a sector of the, of our population that's like exploited for the profit of, of, you know, of big corporations. Um, I, I see like, I mean, frankly, y'all, I see 23rd Street with like no cars on it. I know that is kind of an unpopular opinion, but things are changing. <laughs> but like, I see, tw- I, I see a Richmond where we don't need cars, where, where we are, are where, imagine, imagine if we were just, if 23rd Street was just filled with people like it is on Cinco de Mayo, but every single day, if every, that every would be so fire, was booming. If we had wow. farms on 23rd Street, like, why like the like wildlife if you can oh, hear the birds, and birds i love that yes like, 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 <laughs> little and, teeny and farms this is this is what excites me is, is this is this vision this vision that that we have um of, of you know like i i don't even think i've ever heard of a bird on 23rd street in a minute yeah and i think it's also really important to alfredo to speak on how earlier you had talked about how young people have this ability to imagine a future completely different from the one that we've been living. And it's because, you know, unlike our parents, we haven't been sucked into this like nine to five work to survive mm-hmm. system yet. Get it, so, kids. so, you know, we like as young people, we still have that, that ability to imagine a completely different future in a completely different world that's actually sustainable and just and livable. So I think it's so important to, you know, go to kids and to young people when thinking of what do we see for the future because yeah this is an inter intergenerational movement um which is super important but young people have that ability that i think we definitely need to 
you know think about we need we need to like uh, go sit down sit down with some with some uh, like council members a bunch of like young kids and just and just be like look this is what we want and they're gonna be like all right all right we'll do it uh go ahead Anu um yeah I also want to add on to how um youths are like we all know that youth sometimes a lot of youths feel like oh we can't do anything because we're just leaving the world to the adults and the adults can do everything and um we could just sit back and enjoy like don't worry if the world is okay the way it is in reality it isn't um it's okay the way it is we can move on that's that was my mindset like what two years ago like oh yeah the adults can deal with this i'm not dealing with them i'm just gonna go sleep and take a nap or like just mm -hmm. not worry about anything because the world is okay nothing's wrong until boom like almost two years ago the world i just started seeing the world more differently and it's like oh the adults don't know what they're doing i mean they do but at the same time it's like okay so we can't just leave it up to the adults alone might as well just start going in more like getting more research and like doing more research to see what is actually going on mm -hmm. and I guess here I am, or here's a lot of youths, just the real, yeah, like taking the world in our own hands and like just um, starting a future that we can see that can bet that can be better. And um, we can just at least try taking care of ourselves in the future. Obviously, we have to, but like um, when it comes to like environmental issues, all of that, it's just like I can imagine a million things that in the future. Is it realistic? Probably not. That's the whole point of my imagination. But um, one day I believe it'll happen. So and it I, will happen. We're manifesting all will. of those visions. <laughs> yes, we are manifesting them here and now for the future. And this is, I mean, Anu, Lisbeth, you're giving us the imagination and my imagination is not suppressed to the point of no return. And I imagine as well, I imagine a, a tree campaign, but where we have fruit trees that all, everybody after school, children, elders walking around can have fruit while they are walking before and after school, being able to just live and breathe natural air. I am just like you, Anu, I imagine parking lots, what we see as parking lots. And in New York, this is done all the time. like. They have created incredible rooftop gardens. They have created gardens, community gardens where small family plots are everywhere next to huge high rises. And they are really trying. And we can do that here. How many lots do we know on 23rd? And this is just like where we put our community gardens. And I really wanna uplift, I, I always go back to this public health and I imagine kids picking up roller skates, bikes, mm -hmm. their basketballs, and not picking up their inhalers. That is what I imagine. And right now we're going to listen to two different, um, Isabella, again, just coming through in this episode, which is amazing uh, thoughts around just transition. And then Carrie, a mother as well, uh, to just bring in and wrap us, wrap us up here um, around just transition. So myself, the action that I feel like most called to do is continue to just 
advocate for a stronger, healthy future. And like I had mentioned earlier, sometimes it can be very daunting and very challenging and very hard to look past um, the hardships that we're going through with our climate crisis. But I have a huge sense of hope that continues to just help me like move forward and continue to inspire me whenever I see uh, people taking climate action all across the globe where you know they're just smaller they're small cities but thousands of people just flood the streets thousands of people create art create music create murals and even blockade and shut business down, shut uh, business down as usual, that usually tries to um, go on about their daily lives and continue to collect the funds for that day. But, you know, we've really come to a point in our lives where uh, even past uh, our some of our lifetime where we should have been doing this years ago and we should have been heard years ago. and it's honestly very inspiring to see more and more younger people actually take more action and really standing up for their future because that's really where it matters the most because all the decision makers and CEOs of these industries or these places, like they're not getting any younger and we really need to set a great example and set a great future uh, so that the younger generation who are, are still figuring out life, are able to um, live in a healthy and sustainable way? It would really have to come down to the community voting to put people in office to make that happen, right? Because if the community, the community as a whole does not back an initiative like that, mm -hmm. then I, I don't know how long it would take to make something like that happen. Like, let's say, for example, right now we have RPA-controlled city council, but the mayor is not behind it. So, therefore, you kind of have a fractured operating system. Mm -hmm. And so I would imagine it would take, like, a whole community, the people, the voters, as well as community leaders to all be behind something like that. And then have have backing from the state because or, or from the federal government because how do you get rid of a refinery like how do you do that i don't know mm -hmm. but i think it would just really require the entire community to stand behind and then you know the leaders as well i think that is 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 really at the source of it um is is like building people power how do we how do we start building a campaign towards a just transition how do we start like building this collective power that we know that we have as a community um through different ways you know how, how like how do we empower the community how do we like fuel this reinvestment in communities this this systemic change um i'll, I'll open it up to y'all um if you have any thoughts but like um, like I know I knew earlier, like you were talking about like, you know, researching, you know, really like um, empowering the communities to do our own research. Um, I think uh, TJ or uh, Roshi talked about, um, uh, you know, having this community based uh, like research group, um, like, like, the, yeah, the, there's so many different ways of thinking about it. Yeah, I think 
like Alfredo, you were saying, there's so many different ways. I know some of the ways that I've been getting really involved is through larger movement building um, because it is an entire movement. It's not just one action or one thing that happens and then we move on. Um, it's something where we all should be working towards. There's direct action, there's you know targeting your officials and targeting, holding people accountable and the people who have the power to put us over profit and put us over fossil fuels. There's you know strikes, YBA has climate strikes where we get youth that would have never considered themselves activists. You know, they're striking from school so they can all come together with us and target different people. So there's so many different ways to do this. Um, I don't know, if, I know you would like to add on. I know you were talking a little bit earlier about other ways. Oh, yes. Um, as someone who would never, if it was like three years ago, would never imagine herself as an activist or anything. I honestly, where did I start from? It's really hard to think of because it's been a while now, but um, it was more of starting with research and asking questions that I don't know. Like sometimes asking questions might seem embarrassing. It, it might be still embarrassing, but asking questions to know more um, from someone who understands more gives you more knowledge um, to know like how um, things will go. Like for example, in, when it comes to just the transition, um, tr just transition, sorry. Um, I first think all organizations that have been working for Richmond could all come together and start putting down their imaginative ideas and how they think Richmond can work, um, can be different and be our own perfect Richmond. Um, yeah, I'll, wait, I think, yeah. Yeah, and I also want to emphasize something that you said really quick about asking questions, because I always like talk about this, but when I first started organizing with Youth Versus Apocalypse, I remember at the first fellowship meeting, uh, someone named Hannah Estrada, who's an amazing organizer and activist, um, said something that really spoke to me and made me want to continue like working with YVA, and she was like, it's okay if you don't know what a word is, or it's okay if you never heard of like capitalism or if you don't understand something, but it's important that you ask questions. It's okay to Google it um, because asking questions can be scary, but it's really important and just knowing and understanding that, you know, it's okay to not know. I know there's so many things that I still don't know when it comes to clim the climate crisis and climate justice, um, but it's okay to, and it's really important to ask questions. So I just really wanted to emphasize that say like i i think one thing that we keep hearing is that like like it's like you guys literally just said like it's sometimes it's hard asking these questions sometimes it can be really daunting especially when things are so uncertain uh, there's there's a lot of uncertainty in the future you know we are in a crisis um we don't know what the next 10 years the next 15 years are going to look like we have ideas of how things are going to get much worse um and and you know a lot of the science uh, to back that but like how like it it takes a lot of courage to to ask these questions and to be curious to be imaginative especially when we don't really know you know but we we need to have the courage to imagine a future that we've never seen before uh, to to throw out these ideas and throw money behind them. And if they stick, uh, that's awesome. Uh, but if not, they will inspire 
more investment and more ideas. Go ahead, Marisol. Absolutely. And this, what, what we're really talking about is education. We're talking about educating and then asking questions and engaging and, and researching. This is all part of, this is really what the Listening Project podcast has become, kind of this educational tool so our community can really listen and hear the voices of youth here, hear themselves represented in this and, and then become change makers, just like you, Anu, just like you, Lisbeth. And I also want to um, point out something that Carrie mentioned, which was the power of the vote. I think we absolutely have to build people power so that we can mobilize around voting. And here, I think that it's really exciting that we are coming up on an election year and the Richmond Progressive Alliance has backed so many incredible candidates and Eduardo Martinez will be running for mayor and excited yes. to, yes, all of us, Eduardo, Alfredo, you got a couple of years, but Eduardo this year, and then um, <laughs> we're getting you in next. <laughs> um, I, I, I'll go back to this, this point um, from earlier and just encourage everyone listening to imagine. Um, encourage you all to have the courage to imagine um, a better future uh, where, you know, we, we and, and decide this as a community. Um, really, like, like we, we have the opportunity to, to invest into, like, progressive candidates uh, in our city, um, in our state. And, and that's really one of the ways that I think um, is one of the most important ways that we're going to get out of this crisis is, is really um, putting our resources behind youth, uh, behind progressives that understand that we're in a crisis and understand the importance of getting out of this, you know, in a, in a community-centered way. Um, I would I would encourage a lot of you to do research. That's how I got into understanding more. Um, I know research sounds, oh, it's so boring. I don't want to do this. But don't get me wrong. I felt that way too. <laughs> but um, sometimes a lot of research when it comes to something that you're involved with and is concerning in for environment that you're going to be living in or like being for like a very long time, you should definitely research and ask questions, no matter how scary it is, no matter how intimidating the person is, ask questions, even if they will give you a really bad reaction or like, oh God, this person is so dumb. Like, no, just keep asking that questions. And, it, and until the person who keeps thinking, oh yeah, this person is so dumb, realizes that, oh yes, this person is genuinely interested and would like to um, understand more. Like, don't get me wrong. Hearing the fear is there, but trust me, it's completely worth it when, um, you get more knowledge in a lot of things you were um, you need to get knowledge for especially right now actually but yeah and one person isn't gonna have all of the answers so another thing that i know we talked about throughout the episode but it takes everyone um to make this just transition actually happen because one person doesn't know everything and we all don't know what the answers are yet but we will soon it takes it takes all of us. It takes all of us. This is a this is a, a movement that we all need to get behind because uh, it's it's going to take all of us to really get us out of this crisis. Um, and and we have it. 
we have that here in Richmond. We have uh, our community that, that understands and is ready to mobilize. And I just imagine the bird, the, the flowers and the butterflies, everything that has been caged, I really want to imagine setting them free and letting our imagination really run wild. I think that's the power of the imagination. And I just wanna thank all of our listeners, hashtag we can imagine, I love that. Um, and I think we, we want to thank the RPA, of course, and all of the guest speakers. We've had Kendall from Richmond Land. We've had Kevin as well. Everybody that has been supporting us. And this podcast is moving forward. It has been heard by just key people in power from BACMED. We've talked about them. They have heard our podcast. Soon, CARB at the state level will be hearing our podcast. People are listening to our stories and we want to listen to yours. So continue to follow our work, continue uh, to stay with us. And for our last listen up message, we are going to hear from city council members, Eduardo Martinez for uh, his hope for the future. Listen up, Richmond. And I, and I hope that uh, um, we can find uh, young people with aggressive uh, vision of what we can become, you know, to uh, start uh, <clears throat> filling up filling up the seats of uh, decision making, you know, on the city council, as mayor, uh, and, uh, as supervisors, county supervisors, as uh, state legislators, you know, uh, we really need to uh, start protecting the earth before, before the earth uh, gives up on this. City council member for now, uh, mayor in a couple months, hopefully. Yes. Thank you all. Thank you, Anu. Thank you, Lizbeth. Yes. Thank, thank you. Thank you for having us on. Thank you. Love you, Richmond. Pride and purpose. And salute, man. Stay up. And I know I ain't the hottest, but I promise we're city, I got us. Believe me, I got you. You got me, I got you. You got me, I got you. Rich city, I'll never let you go. You don't know that I love you, Rich. You don't know that I love you, Rich. Rich city, baby. Thanks for tuning in to the Listening Project podcast. A special thanks to the Richmond Progressive Alliance for making this podcast possible. The RPA's goal is to take power back from corporations and put it into the hands of the people. To learn more, visit their website at richmondprogressivealliance.net. Thanks so much.